life. I remember asking the old rabbi, how can all these faiths in the world exist? I mean, doesn't one have to be right and all the other ones have to be wrong? Faith, I was really having so much trouble and feeling such a lot of pain about losing dad and also about did I do everything I should have and could have for him? That was that kind of torment. Off I went to a spiritual medium. Spirituality. With a painful, cracking voice. He say, I'm scared. And I know you can kill me. But I have to tell you this. Jesus love you, Nikki. Well, I surrender to <laughs> his love. <laughs> More than this. With Sheridan Boise. Hello and welcome to episode 56 of the More Than This podcast. Today, radical Islam is tapping into a spiritual void in its young recruits. It turns out to be a spiritual void we all have, a void that secular society can do nothing to fulfill, but I believe we can also find fulfillment through a much more radical alternative than radical Islam. That's what today's episode is about. Look forward to having your comments on SheridanVoise.com slash 056. First up to your voicemails, though. Sue had something to uh, say after last week's episode on uh, what turning the other cheek means in an age of terrorism. Very challenging and thought-provoking. I may even write to David Cameron and encourage him uh, and others too. I think we can all do that at this time. Let them know that we are praying for them. So thank you, Sheridan. Always wonderful to hear your comments. Thanks so much, Sue. And I think prayer for leaders right now is a very, very good idea indeed. Some quick announcements before we get into today's topic. My book, Resilient, Your Invitation to a Jesus-Shaped Life, is out. It recounts my little journey exploring the Sermon on the Mount, that famous speech from Jesus. And I'm amazed, you know, at the things that have happened in Paris and elsewhere over the last few weeks, and just how more and more I see connections between what Jesus says in that famous speech and what's going on in our world. And in fact, this podcast is, I guess, a fruit of that. It is just so comprehensive. If you haven't read the Sermon on the Mount, three chapters in the book of Matthew, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, only take you 15, 20 minutes to read. And then if uh, my book, Resilient, will help you to get into it, I'd love you to uh, take a read and let me know what you think. Also, I'm going to be speaking at Oxford Community Church next Sunday, and also elsewhere, you can find details of that on today's show notes. Also, I wanted to tell you about uh, a new event that's going to be coming up that both my wife Marin and I will be contributing to in January. It is a retreat especially for couples wrestling with infertility. Now, this is a very unique event and one that I uh, didn't accept speaking at very quickly. In fact, I got the invitation a few weeks ago from the organizers and I thought, well, you know what? Of all the events that I'm asked to speak at, this is the one I'm going to critique the most because, number one, I wanted to know that those who were organizing it had some sort of personal experience in this whole area because there is just so much pain and so much shame sometimes involved for the couple going through this. I wanted them to know, they had to know what this was all about. Number two, I wanted to make sure that the other speakers involved had some kind of personal experience and this wasn't just theory that was going to be given to these uh, couples. Uh, number three, wanted to know that a safe space was going to be made for couples to be able to share their story and their pain, or not. They may want to say, stay silent, and so there was going to be a safe space for, made for these couples. And then finally, that if there was a prayer team involved, that uh, they would be given appropriate guidelines as to what to say, what to pray, what not to prophesy into people's lives. Uh, Marin and I have come across too many couples that have uh, been ruined by what we might call false prophecy, false hope given to them 
uh, all sorts of uh, forecasts about couples, you know, conceiving and having children and here's the names and here's the dates they're going to be born and everything. And it hasn't come to pass and the couple have been ruined as a result. I met with uh, Andy and Sarah Lang, who are the organizers of the Rhythm of Hope Retreat. Marin and I had a wonderful afternoon with them and found very, very quickly all of those concerns were well and truly covered. This couple knows what this story is all about and what this journey is all about. And they worked very, very hard to make sure this is going to be a safe space for couples wrestling with this to come along. So it's called The Rhythm of Hope. It's going to be in January in 2016. If you would like details, it's on today's show notes. And I thoroughly encourage you to pass it on to any couple you know who's wrestling in this area of starting a family. Well, we all know what ISIS and other radical Islamic groups want, don't we? A world under Islamic rule, through strict submission to Sharia law, and achieved by jihad, which normally means sacred struggle, but in this case is interpreted to mean holy war. But have we thought about what the desires of their young recruits are? Because ISIS seem to be very successful at tapping into something in a whole bunch of young recruits. And as it turns out, not necessarily religious recruits, often secular recruits. It turns out that these young people are looking for meaning, for purpose, and for a cause to join that is bigger than themselves. Now, that is a desire that every human being has. It turns out to be a desire secular society fails miserably at fulfilling, which means the door is open for jihadists and others to go in and fill the void. But there is another way to fulfill it. In today's show notes, I've got a link to a very compelling, penetrating, troubling actually, New York Review article that uh, came out just after the Paris attacks by Scott Atron and Nafis Hamid. And they point out a couple of very interesting statistics regarding the Paris attacks and regarding France. It turns out around 90% of French citizens who have radical Islamist beliefs have French grandparents. So they're not refugees, they're not new immigrants to the country. They've actually been here for a couple of generations. And 80% of them come from non-religious families. So that means, according to the figures, most French Islamists are former secularists. They are drawn into jihadist religion, not through their families, but through their peers, who are searching for a cause to live for and values to live by. Now, in the article, uh, Atron and Hamid quote a few people that they've spoken to in preparation for the article. One convert, who had been in and out of jail, said this, I was a mess, with nothing to me until the idea of following the Mujahid's way, that's the holy warrior's way, gave me rules to live by. Did you hear that? Rules to live by. And so that meant he would channel his energy into jihad and defending his Muslim brethren under attack from the, quote, infidels in France and elsewhere. Another 24-year-old radical convert told them, Western society teach us to work hard to buy a nice car and nice clothes, but that isn't happiness. I was a third-class human because I wasn't integrated into a corrupted system. Now, by that I'm meaning that they probably weren't part of materialism. But I didn't want to be a street gangster either. So I and my friends simply decided to go around and invite people to join Islam. Or what about this advice from one young Syrian woman to another? It shows that the cause that they're signing up for is seen as great enough to overrule allegiance to their own family. Listen to this. I know how hard it is to leave behind the mother and father you love and not to tell them until you are here in Syria that you will always love them, but that you were put on this earth to do more than be with 
or honour your parents. Now, if you know the Bible, doesn't that kind of echo the words of somebody else who said, if you don't love me more than your father or mother, you're not worthy of me? That's the kind of cause that these people are being kind of called into, something that's greater, something that's greater than even honouring mother and father. Ross Douthat in the New York Times summarised it all like this, quote, The deep reality here is that many human beings, especially perhaps young human beings, still crave a transcendent purpose, even in a society that tells them they don't really need one to live a comfortable, fulfilling life. And more than that, many people experience both a kind of liberation and a kind of joy in submission to these purposes, even, as is the case with ISIS, when that submission involves accepting forms of violence and cruelty that rightly shock the conscience of the world. So here's the situation, folks. There's this whole bunch of young folks who are left empty by secularism, which says there's no ultimate purpose to life. Ultimately, it's just about survival, and the best you can do is buy a nice car, nice home, and fill your life with good things. And there is a void, a spiritual void in them, and ISIS are going to fill it. Now, I believe there's an alternative that is even far more radical than radical Islam that will help to fulfill that void, of course. It's something that I've explored in Resilient. It's out of the Sermon on the Mount. It's again a kind of radical way that Jesus' teaching in that uh, profound speech connects in with the deepest longings of our heart. Because in that radical manifesto of Jesus, he provides a whole bunch of things. Number one, he provides a radical prayer that gives us a cause to live for. When he teaches us to pray to our Father, may your kingdom come soon, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, he is giving us a radical cause to be part of. I'll tell you more about that in just a second. Number two, he gives us a radical set of values to live by that transform our relationships. He says, if you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anybody else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Go and read the Sermon on the Mount. Go and read his teaching on relationships. Radical, radical, radical stuff, which calls us to a whole bunch of values to live by. I wouldn't say rules like that Muslim convert was looking for. I would say values. I would say a calling that needs supernatural energy within us from the Holy Spirit to live out. But it's radical stuff. Thirdly, he calls us to a radical way of life that critiques the nice car, nice home values of consumer culture. He says, don't store up treasures for yourself here on earth, where moths eat them and rust destroy them, and where thieves break in and steal. Because wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. He calls us to a way that demands radical allegiance. He said, if you love your mother and father more than me, you're not worthy of me. He says elsewhere, if you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. If you give up your life for me, you will find it. This is radical stuff. And then finally, he says, this is a way marked not by radical terror, but radical love. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. So, we can put it like this. This radical alternative, even more radical than radical Islam, is what we could say, following the radical Jesus into the dream of God. Psychologists tell us that we need a big cause to live for. We've explored this in other podcasts. 
people like Martin Seligman, the positive psychology guy, say to live a resilient life, you need to have some sort of meaning to your life, some sort of big overarching cause that you are a part of, something that's bigger than you. Secularism isn't providing that, so radical Islam is coming along to fill the void and calling recruits to the grand dream of an Islamized world. But when Jesus calls us to pray for our Father's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven, he is calling us to God's dream for the world, which is a radically, radically peaceful and beautiful vision for the world. It will have four main qualities, I believe. Again, you can find these on today's show notes. It will be a world of fulfilled longings. Blaise Pascal, the famous mathematician and philosopher, said, There's a God-shaped hole in the heart that only God can fill. And this longing will be fulfilled when God's dream is complete. You go to the last book in the Bible, the book of Revelation, and you'll find this beautiful phrase, Look, God's home is now amongst his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. We can have the Holy Spirit of God living in us now. This will be a world of fulfilled longings when that taster of having him live in us is fully fulfilled when we see him face to face. Number two, it's a world of healed wounds. Every tear will be wiped from our eyes. There will be no more mourning or pain or sickness or death or disability. All the illnesses of the world will be gone. And our groaning earth will be made well. That's what we read in the eighth chapter of Romans in the New Testament. Earth and humanity will be made whole in God's fulfilled dream. Number three, it will be a world of radiant beauty. I love this. When we are told about the new heavens and the new earth that God is going to bring down from heaven to earth. By the way, notice that it's coming from heaven down to earth. It's not that we escape this earth and it gets destroyed and we go up to some ethereal existence. It comes down from heaven to earth. It's not just described in ethical terms, but it's described in aesthetic terms as well. The first couple of chapters of the book of Revelation talk about God's beauty as being like these beautiful gems and jewels. And at the end of the book of Revelation, we find that the new heavens and earth are also described in exactly the same ways of those beautiful, dazzling jewels and gems. The very beauty of God will be reflected in the very beauty of this new heavens and earth that God is taking all history towards. And then number four, this will be a world of restored harmony. There will be harmony between nations as they walk in God's light and turn their swords into garden tools. There will be economic justice for the poor, even harmony between animals. We hear that the lion and the lamb are going to be lying down next to each other, having a rest rather than chasing each other. God's dream for the world will be a place of peace. So here is the radical fulfillment, I believe, for this longing of the heart. It's to follow the radical Jesus into the dream of God. There's this guy named Charles Featherstone, who himself was a radical Islamist. He's now a preacher. And he says that it was this very thing, this search for meaning and purpose and belonging, that drew him into revolutionary Islam in the first place. This is a spiritual longing that exists within every heart. And if we deny it, it only creates a void for dangerous ideologies to fill. That is what, sadly, secular society is doing by saying there is nothing more than the material world. There is nothing more than survival. There is no transcendence. There is no God. There is, and if we don't fulfill that longing in us with something, it's going to be fulfilled by something else. And I believe there is one who issues a challenge that is far more radical than the most radical jihadists cause, one who calls us to radical love.
not radical terror. Feedback on this, SheratonVoisey.com slash 056. Leave me a respectful comment there. I know this can get a lot of emotions heated up. Or do what more and more people are doing and leave me a voicemail. Just go to any page on SheratonVoisey.com and click the button on the right-hand side and I'll incorporate your voice into next week's episode. Thank you so much for listening to more than this. Please pass this on to a friend through Facebook and through Twitter. I would love that to be shared around. I think these ideas from Jesus have something profound to say to the world right now and uh, if you haven't yet i would love a rating and a review on itunes or on stitcher or wherever else you're listening to the more than this podcast talk to you again in a week's time bye-bye